On this episode of AvTalk, Southwest Airlines is getting a new CEO. Airlines are running into the great training roadblock, and the 737 MAX still isn't recertified in China. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of AvTalk. I am Ian Pechnik here as always with Jason Rabinowitz. And how are you, Ian? I'm doing well, Jason. I'm doing very well. And I am so excited to record this podcast this week for two very important reasons. Number one, I booked a flight. They're letting you out of the house? For a whole weekend. Whoa. Not until September. It's work, but it's happening. That's how you know travel is back when they not only let Ian out of the house, but they let him on an airplane. I know. Yes. So consider this our first of, of a few plugs for both Cranky Dorkfest and Spot LAX that is taking place the 17th through the 19th of September of this year. It, it is happening. Thankfully, almost all of the activities are outdoors near aircraft. So you can enjoy those in, in as safe as manner as, as possible. With cheeseburgers. Uh, yes. Both Jason and I will be there. The cast of regular characters will be there as well, not the least of which is Brett Snyder, who has been the – is the dork of Dorkfest. He, he's the cranky flyer. And he will be uh, once again eating cheeseburgers and talking shop. And there's all sorts of other – NYC aviation spot LAX stuff going on throughout the weekend. So I'm really looking forward to to not only getting on a plane for the first time in well over a year, but also seeing people I haven't seen in well over a year. And that'll uh, be nice. And yeah. So and I'll be go. able to take pictures of airplanes that aren't just literally outside my window at any given I moment. Know. I mean, one assumes over the weekend you'll probably do that too from the hotel, but it'll be a different window and there'll be different planes. That's true. I mean, it could be the same plane. <laughs> you know what? It could be the same uh, plane. Look, a Frontier A320 called Buck the Pronghorn livery is flying over me right now. We'll see it in September if I see it in LA as well. It's possible. It noted on uh, on this episode. And hey, Siri, remind me in three months. <laughs> the second reason and that I am excited is that school is over for the year. And that just makes me very happy that we can celebrate getting through the year. So if you are a parent, teacher, or student listening to this podcast and your school year is done, congratulations. That was a year. And let's hope we never have to do it again. I have nothing to add to that topic. So yeah, so I'm feeling great. How are you? I'm fine. It's All right. summer now. My windows are open and my air conditioner's off, so I can't complain. It's a nice day here too. It's uh, it's nice. It's, it's room temperature here. Yeah, it's great. I'm going up to Vermont this week, and unfortunately, I'm not flying because one cannot fly to southern Vermont without going through Boston on Cape Air, which would be fun but inefficient. So yeah, it's nice. Fun, out. I'm happy. Fun but inefficient. That's, yes. Frankly, that's my middle name. That is American transportation in a nutshell. It's, it's really funny you bring up Cape Air. My wife's grandmother celebrated her 90th birthday 
over the weekend. So my wife flew down to Florida uh, and, and she provided me with a, a trip report calling the seat on United's 737-900ER like sitting on a broken lawn chair amongst a bunch of what did, what did she call them? A derogatory term for fraternity brothers. And there was very lax mask compliance, she said, well on the flight and was disappointed by that. But I bring this up because some of her family members live in Montana, where the essential air service is managed by Cape Air. And so I had had asked her questions as you know a good av geek does about how are they getting there? How are they flying? What are they doing? And I was supposing, I was like, oh, they'll probably take do Cape Air on the EAS and, and then down to Florida from, from there. And so my wife's aunt was explaining this to her and Ali's like, oh, I already know all about that. And I felt I felt good that uh, I had provided my wife, who, who doesn't care about aircraft other than they get her to vacation, that she knew a little something ahead of time. Well, that's so, great. So did they get that, the uh, did they get the traveler, the fancy new Cape airplane? You know what? I asked and they had no idea. I think if they were on it, they would know. That was not an answer I, I got. And it was, you know, through two texts to find out. So I don't even know if my question was was relayed properly. But here we are. Shall we get on with the show? Yep. All right. Hey, Gary Kelly is stepping down in 2022. So next year, the CEO of Southwest Airlines. And it's not huge earth-shattering news for the fact that that he's, you know, stepping down. He's kind of been putting these plans into place for a few years. Uh, it's just kind of a momentous occasion because he's doing it basically on the on the airline's 50th birthday, you know, planning to to bow out and then assume the the chairmanship through 2026, he says. That'll be interesting to see how the transition goes and and how uh, how they they celebrate Gary Kelly's tenure. Yeah, Gary Kelly has been the the CEO of Southwest for probably longer than any other airline executive in the U.S. right now. He was uh, promoted to CEO and vice chairman in July 2004, and then appointed the role of chairman and president in 2008. So he's been around for some significant events. The economic collapse in 2008. Um, everything between then and the economic boom up until COVID, and then the um, I don't need to explain what's happened in the last year, but he's been around a while. Yeah, I mean, as CEO, I, I, obviously he's been around for a long time, but he, as CEO, time. Yeah. that's that's almost two decades. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that uh, adding to kind of the the list of, of major milestones and, and challenges and things like that, we, we should add the max. I mean, given that Southwest is is basically Boeing's best. Narrow body customer besides Ryanair. Some could say the Max is uh, Southwest's fault, even. Yeah, not directly. Not indirectly. Directly, indirectly, sure. I would say that the, the 737 Max is American Airlines' fault, almost directly. But certainly Southwest bears some of the impetus for the creation. Not, none of the blame. None of that is Southwest's fault. But a lot of the decisions made about the Max were to appease. Southwest specifically, right, right. So the the that the aircraft was decided upon. I guess we can set that at American Airlines' feet. Then the how the aircraft was brought to market and some of the decisions made on 
the systems within the aircraft, those we can certainly say that, that Southwest had a, a major hand in. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And replacing Gary Kelly will be another Southwest alum who's been around quite a long time. What's his name? I'm already forgetting. Now I have to learn a new name and find out if he's on Twitter. What's his name? Robert Jordan. I'm reading this for a quote from Southwest, a longtime Southwest executive with broad and deep experience joining the airline in 1988. So he has worked for Southwest almost as long as I've been alive. So that is um, a good number of year experience at that airline. That's an interesting way of putting it. I hadn't even, yeah. hadn't even thought about that one. So the, the man's got experience and he's got a very well-run, well-liked airline to play around with. So good luck. And Gary Kelly can take his retirement because he's earned it. There you go. Let's go back to talking about American Airlines and uh -oh. discuss the fact that they <laughs> – Oh, come on. Discuss the fact that they have canceled, are canceling, and probably will cancel a bunch of flights, hundreds of flights, because they just don't have the pilots to fly them. Yeah, that's a problem. You need pilots to operate flights. As um, it turns out, yes. Yeah, as it turns true. out, at least for now until robots take over. But um, that's we're not a quite different episode of the podcast. Yeah, and again, Brett Snyder, Cranky Flyer, put together a, a very good, very good overview of the operational issues facing U.S. airlines. Not just American, but American specifically has been having quite a difficult time with a lot of flights canceled. So has Southwest, due to some other issues revolving around IT meltdowns and such, but. American is not alone in this regard. Cranky, again, he broke it down using MOS flight data, I believe. And the worst actually right now is Allegiant is doing terrible on-time percentages compared to just a couple months ago. But American is right there with United and Southwest hot on its heels. You need crew to operate flights and to service the aircraft and to marshal it into the gate and operate the jet bridge and work the gate to get passengers on. Airlines just don't have the staff. They, they haven't ramped up quick enough, mainly because the rebound of air travel happens so freaking quickly. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, as far as Americans specifically is concerned, is, is a piloting issue where they don't have enough pilots who are, are current in their, in their training to, to operate all the flights that they want to. And this is something that we talked about, you know, kind of along the way, especially not the last time we had John Ostarman, but the, the time before that, we talked about how training was going to be the roadblock to getting everything going again, um, that a lot of this was going to lapse and we were going to see, you know, the the want of airlines to operate, you know, a hundred flights, but we only have enough pilots to operate eighty or seventy or sixty or, or however many. And, and so, dealing with that training backlog and and getting that going again is certainly one of the the big things that airlines are you know having to contend with now. And that's I think we mentioned it that last week as far as the the Lufthansa flights to, to Mallorca with the 747 and the A350. Not only is that a good way to get a ton of German tourists to Mallorca, which is a, a hugely popular tourist destination, 
but it's also a really quick way to get a bunch of flights for those pilots. So dealing with that because you know it's a only a few hours versus what's a, you know Frankfurt to to Los Angeles we're looking at what 12 13 hours. So finding ways to to get currency and and get pilots back into the system so that they can then operate full schedules is a big challenge right now. Yeah, and of course hindsight is, is- 2020. I don't think anyone expected uh, air travel, at least domestically in the US, to rebound so quickly. But I, I bet American wishes it did not retire as many and as large of aircraft as it did so rapidly, especially the A330s, many of which were less than a decade old. They were kind of babies. Those would be real helpful right now to operate some domestic wide-body flights. And at the same time, American retired the A330s as well as the 767s and the 757s. So those are all larger aircraft than any other wide-bodies that they're uh, – any other narrow-bodies that they're operating domestically right now. And they're just – they're no longer available. And United is hurting in the same way that it has, what, probably half of its 777 fleet grounded due to the Pratt & Whitney engine issues? Yeah. Uh, Delta retired all its 777s. Those are gone. So it's possible that these airlines may have retired significant chunks of their fleet a little too rapidly, but there's no going back now. So they have to make the best of what they have left. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's it was not an unforeseeable problem and it was in fact foreseen. It was just never going to there had to be the kind of the, the perfect level of recovery the whole way through for it to work out. And of course, we didn't. So now we're dealing with this situation. And, and that'll, that'll there are worse problems to have. I mean, yes, this is certainly a much better problem to have than the opposite. Yeah, it's annoying for crew and passengers alike. I was in Seattle last week. My flight out to Seattle was delayed 30 minutes the night before departure because crew availability. The day before that, the flight was delayed four hours. I'm guessing again because of crew availability. The plane was there, the passengers were there, but there just wasn't a pilot to operate the flight. In the the old days before COVID, surely Delta at a hub like New York, they would have had pilots on reserve to just pull from a pool and get that flight out on time. The on-time machine gets flights out on time. That's not really possible anymore. They just didn't have another pilot to pull. I mean, you could have offered. Uh, no. <laughs> I like to be in the back drinking my drinks and watching TV. There you go. The 737-10 MAX has now made its first flight. The Dash 10 is the longest and last variant of the 737 MAX. Hopefully. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, and not just the Max, the last seven three seven. Seven three seven. Yeah, I mean, ever. Yes, yes. There it will not be really another seven three seven variants. Knock on wood. We certainly hope not. We certainly hope that this is the last time the seven three seven is stretched. Could squished. we go to eleven? This goes to eleven. Yeah, there's our episode title. Yeah, so it made its first flight. It's going to fly around for a couple of years, and then they'll put it into service with. Which airline? I can't remember. United, I think. is United, I believe, is the launch customer. And And the one thing I think everyone wanted to see was the gear come up or the gear come down. And that doesn't happen on the first flight because this is – this the 
dash 10 max the 7.3 max 10 has a unique landing gear i believe am i right with that yeah it's it's, it's bouncy or it, the the gear itself is is levered because the thing's so long but we didn't get to see that in operation because the gear stays down on the first flight i don't think they raised the gear right but there was no live well, stream, so we don't know gear, but i don't i don't know if it people got good enough video that uh, that you can see that because you should be able to see it without the gear making a swing right as as far as i know but i'm sure we will see it eventually yeah it was a very unceremonious first flight there was no live stream there was a very by limited, design by design there was a very limited media presence there was a press release issued with one picture no video one picture so this was a very quiet first flight uh, yeah, by yes, like like I said, by design. Boeing was very not wanting publicity for this first flight, and I don't know why. But it, there, were, I, I talked to a couple journalists who were like, they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to do anything, they just just want to do the flight and be done with it. So it, they did the flight, they're done with it. Okay, I know that's More, their business. Yeah, exactly. More Mac stuff. So I, I was playing with the site the other day and filtering all of the, the 737 Max. And I, I made one of those uh, things called a, a tweet with a picture of all of the active 737 Max. And I commented that you know, where they are not flying is at this point as important as where they are. And lo and behold, today Reuters comes out with a very interesting article about how the 737 MAX has not yet been recertified in China, and how there are still impediments to that recertification. And the long and the short of it is that it's not just one thing. There, we're not waiting for the trade tensions to be broken. We're not waiting for a single regulatory signature or, or things like that. It seems like there are a bunch of unfortunately for Boeing, a bunch of things conspiring against it. And that's a huge problem because as the Reuters article notes, Boeing's not going to increase max the max production rate until they can sell the airplanes to Chinese airlines again. Yeah. And we have no indication when or if that might happen. And the article does point out that by the end of the year, the year being 2021, hopefully, maybe China hopes to locally certify the COMAX C919 and have some actual competition, locally homegrown competition in China. There may be a reality where China never certifies the MAX again as it wants to boost its C919 adoption. That's totally possible. Um, unlikely, but possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the threat that that happens is certainly more useful than actually following through on that for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that I think the, the levers go both ways in that case. There are certain things that, that Boeing could do itself, but also you know the US could do kind of in retaliation for that becoming apparent or, or a statement to that effect or something from China. But, but certainly the longer this is drawn out, the more frustrating it is for Boeing, certainly. And the more uncertainty is introduced into the entire process, that's that's not good. 
for a variety of reasons. No, it's also obviously still an annoyance for the airlines in China that do already have the MAX and had it baked into their schedule because China was the largest country for adoption of the MAX up until the grounding. So there are a, a large number of aircraft that uh, in, in parts of these Chinese fleets with um, I guess China Eastern, Air China, um, I can't recall off the top of my head, but there are a lot of airplanes that they can't fly that I'm sure they would love to be able to. Yeah. I mean, the big three Chinese airlines and then a variety of the the kind of second tier Chinese airlines have substantial max fleets. So yeah, certainly, certainly an issue that goes both ways and, and affects both the airlines, but also or affects both Boeing and, and their Chinese customers. So it's hopefully they they figure this out but i mean we it was first it was by the end of the year last year then it was by march then it was by june now who knows eventually maybe eventually maybe westjet is adding 737 boeing converted freighters to its fleet adding i guess another tick in the we're starting our own cargo division portion of the late stage pandemic aviation industry? Yeah. Passenger airline operated dedicated freighters are back. <laughs> I still want to see American Airlines 747 freighter back. 747 SP freighter or something weird. We need something weird. But this is, I mean, the details are light on this, but it appears as if WestJet is using one of its existing 738s because the mock-up has the, the split scimitar winglets and the Wi-Fi hump on it. So that's interesting. It's not the first uh, – it won't be the first converted freighter with, with split winglets, but it is definitely I mean, interesting. That, that all assumes that they didn't just take a regular mock-up and write cargo on it. That is completely possible. And it does say artist rendering. There's no information about where the airplanes are coming from or, or anything else. But the mock-up is pretty. I'll take what I can get. M moving on to the British Airways 747. Or 747. Oh, come on. 787s. Make, make me sad. Yeah, 787 that... Nose go boop. Yeah, nose go boop. So that happened. Yeah, GZBJB had a little incident at a, a hard stand in Heathrow where the nose gear undesirably retracted and the nose made contact with the ground. Not the first time that's happened with the 787, is it? It is not the first time, and I want to say it's the third time. Sure. It's either the second or the third time, but it has happened before. Yeah, oops. But expensive. luckily, uh, no uh, expensive. But luckily, no one was uh, no one was seriously hurt. What do you say we take a quick break before someone does seriously get hurt? Then we will come back and we will discuss some things that we have discussed before and provide updates on those things. And also, Jason is going to run some numbers and do some math. You're going to want to stick around for this. It's very unlikely. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back. Further to our entire episode in episode 115, where we talked with John and John about the challenges facing any company or any air framer that wants to make a supersonic aircraft, the 
newly formed Japan Supersonic Research is aiming to have a supersonic aircraft available for delivery by 2030. And Jason, take a minute, maybe maybe get a drink of water or, or something like that. This is a public-private partnership in Japan that includes Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. You may remember us from the space jet. The MRJ space jet. Indeed. It also includes Kawasaki, the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, and and a few others. And I mentioned last week, not on the podcast, but but I, I think in our newsletter, that you can just replace Boom with Japan Supersonic Research and be done with it. It's the same conversation. It's the they're working on some interesting things regarding sonic booms and and how to make them quieter that doesn't make them go away as far as i know the the physics of sonic booms cannot be routed around so a thing to keep an eye on i guess but but it seems very kind of on the heels of this whole boom situation and they say well we're gonna do it too so good, good luck i guess Sure, why not? And remember mentioning the the space jet MRJ, that was supposed to pave the way for Japan's re-entry into the commercial aerospace sector. We all know that did not work out well, and that aircraft will probably never fly again, never be certified, never enter passenger service. So why not try to do something infinitely more complicated? I agree. Why not? Okay. Official today... The 23rd of June, Captain Sullenberger has been nominated to be the U.S. ambassador to ICAO. So that's a a cool thing. I don't know what that position does, but good for him. Yeah, it's basically the the person who represents the U.S.'s interests at the Global Aviation Regulatory Body. And I I think it'll be a very interesting platform for him to have as his, uh, you know, kind of safety culture message is a it's a good place for that no one better yeah i just think it's neat that they've done that now for the controversial portion of the episode have you seen southwest's new livery oh the special livery not a new livery special sorry the 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 latest special livery that they that would be a surprise so november 500 whiskey romeo now wears the title of Freedom One. And it's a giant waving American flag. Very cool paint. It's very cool paint. That's Choose awesome. your next words carefully. It, it's very, no, it's just very cool paint. I'm just going to stop there, period. Very cool paint. Oh, okay. I like how they... I, I expected more controversy out of you after that lead-in. I, no, I just... Come on. If you can't be honest here, where can you be honest? It's it's garish in my Oh, there it is. There's the controversy. I, <laughs> Speak I your just, mind. Come on. Complete the thought. So I really like the state liveries that they do. Uh, I just saw with, Florida with one flags. today. I really like those. You know, I, I, I California one is one of mine. Uh, Colorado one, I, I think, was just – that was a really cool billboard, uh, flying billboard. This, I just – I I don't 
I feel like it's too literal. I, I think is my problem with it. Like I, I'm not begrudging them the American flag. I just feel like it's too literal. It is what it claims to be, and that's too spot on. Is that it? Yeah, I guess. I guess that's my problem. Okay, I have similar thoughts. I think it's it, it's too on the nose. It's too America in your face. I mean, that's literally what LAX tweeted today was America and a picture of that plane. <laughs> it, it, it's that. it's too much. I mean, it, it looks great. It's shiny and new, but I, uh, I I'm not a fan. Let us know what you think. Uh, oh podcast. Boy. At fr24.com. I'm interested to hear what uh, what some other people think and, and get some differing perspectives on that. Didn't Air also, Baltic yeah. paint a 220 and They have three. They have one in Latvian, one in Lithuanian, and one in Estonian liveries. And, and they're Those not- Those look good. They do look good because they're not so literal. I mean- They're not they, understated, they but they're, they're nice. No, but they're not- it, it it doesn't look like they took an actual flag and taped it to the aircraft. Yeah. The, which the is Southwest, what I get from the Southwest thing. The Southwest one is kind of one screaming eagle decal away from being the bumper art on a Ford F-150. That's my That opinion. is certainly one way to put it. Yeah. Let's talk about a tastefully understated aircraft. Uh, <laughs> way to transition to what's next. So, Jason, before we started recording, you said, well, this reminded me that Skymark Airlines exists. That's true. And that's exactly what it does. Skymark Uh, still exists. Skymark still exists. And they painted a 737, Juliet Alpha 73 Alpha Bravo in a, uh, like I mentioned, tastefully understated Pokemon livery. (laughs) It's a stop and repeat of Pikachu holding balloons. And uh, yeah, yeah, that, that that's, that's it. What it is. It, it's Pikachu is on each side five times in various fun poses, being lifted away by balloons or pokeballs on the engine. This is called the Sora Tobu Pikachu Project. Uh, Skymark has collaborated with Pokemon for the purpose of contributing to society by connecting people in the community, sympathizing with the Sorabatu Pikachu project. With the desire to make many people look up at the sky and smile, we will deliver content that allows you to enjoy air travel with Pikachu Jet. Word for there word from is. the website. There it is. Yeah, it, it's it's something. But I think what was the most fascinating of it was the reveal of the aircraft. We haven't had a really good special livery reveal in a while. And of course, it being Japan and it being Pokemon, there were a lot of inflatable dancing Pikachus running around this plane, and it made my day. I I am glad that you were able to extract a measure of joy from whatever whatever that was. Yep, and there will be some uh, onboard elements as well. It's kind of like <laughs> Eva Air's Hello Kitty jet. Um, They have a coffee cup with Pikachu art, a Kit Kat bar, of course, which is a very Japanese thing with Pikachu animation, I guess, and also a picture of the plane. All right. That'll be a a fun one to see if you can get a model of. Uh, I'm sure there will be demand for for that one. Oh, there's more. There's aprons, there's sick bags, there's background music and announcements. So this really is Japan's version of the Hello Kitty jet. All right, then. Cool. I hope to see it in uh, New York one day somehow. That would be an interesting flight. Hey, speaking 
of extremely long flights with hey, aircraft. you got the transition. Don't Good necessary, job. Don't necessarily go on extremely long flights. So Heathrow, the airport, tweeted, today the airline launches a new direct route between Heathrow and Kuwait, welcoming Jazeera Airways to Heathrow, saying that the flight will be operated by an A320neo, and this will be the world's longest route for this aircraft type. And so Jason, being the industrious young man that he is, said, really? How long could they be? And, and what if I were to tell you out, what if I were to tell you that it's not even close to the world's longest day 320 in the flight? Would you believe me? I you know what? I would believe you. So it is a long flight. Kuwait to Heathrow is, uh, according to Great Circle Mapper, 2,909 miles. It is a long flight. I'll give them that. But it is not even close to the world's longest A320neo flight. That honor, as far as we can tell, goes to Ural Airlines, who operates not just one, but many of the world's longest or probably the world's longest A320neo flights domestic flights even within Russia. Are you going to try and pronounce the world's longest or are you going to make me do it? BQS to Moscow, DME. Oh, come um, on. Uh, yeah, I'm not going there. Domestic flights within Russia topping nearly eight hours sometime. The longest flight we can find recently was seven hours, 54 minutes, seven hours, 21 minutes, seven hours, 44 minutes. So these flights are long. Contrasting that to the Jazeera, the, the Jazeera Airlines flight, five hours, 59 minutes. So it is not even remotely close to the longest A320neo flight in the world. So Jason, we've figured out that Jason will do math when it's to prove someone wrong. That's true. Some other top contenders, S7, also in Russia. Who else was there? there was, uh, Aristana, also in the same region, operates some very long A320neo flights. And then eventually you scroll down the list quite a ways and you get the Jazeera. So yeah, don't always take a press release or, or an official tweet as gospel because it might not be right. So I'm, I'm glad we looked into this because it, I had no idea that, that Ural was operating 320 Neos on such long flights. And now I kind of want to take one for science. For science, yeah, to see what it's like on a seven hour, 54 minute. Yeah, exactly. Flight. And also because on a Euro Airlines flight, there is a non zero chance that you could be on a flight with a bear. Uh, explain, please. They, they have a history of transporting bears throughout Russia and other fuzzy warm creatures on their aircraft. And, and they always post – they're really good about posting photos and, and pictures of you know cute, cuddly animals like brown bears and such on their aircraft. And I enjoy that aspect of the work they do. So I, I think that would be fun. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, so Jazeera Airlines, not the longest 320neo flight. Euro Airlines, surprisingly leapfrogging that and, and going nearly eight hours, which is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, when all is said and done, you're probably on that aircraft for close to 10 hours, give or take. Do not want. No. Do, do not want. Also mind-boggling, this has been episode 117 of AvTalk. As always, if you like the podcast, if you don't like the podcast, if you want Jason to do more math, less math, whatever, we can have him do some sort of Sudoku puzzle live while we record. Oh, that's going to take a while. 
leave a review or a rating wherever you get your podcast. That certainly helps people find the podcast and things like that. Thank you for, again for the continuing feedback on the, the new weekly format. We really appreciate it. Lots of you have said that, that you like it. Lots of you have sent in some suggestions about what you would like to see us get to. And we're working on some of those now for the summer and into the fall already. Uh, so thank you for that. I am Ian Pechnik here as always with Jason Rubinowitz. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.